Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of orange fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. What's going on, Cuse Nation? This is Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. I'm Tyler Anki. I'm with you until 10 o'clock on this Saturday morning. Good to have you with us. Talking some Syracuse football. We got a very, very heavy show on Syracuse football season right around the corner. Just about three or so weeks away from the start of the season out in Kalamazoo, Western Michigan. The week one opponent for the Orange. We're going to break down a ton of things today. And for more coverage on everything we're doing here at the Fizz for this upcoming Syracuse football season, be sure to check us out online, orangefizz.net. Also on Twitter, Facebook, SoundCloud, Orange Fizz, and be sure to subscribe online on Apple Podcasts at Orange Fizz. You'll get all the latest Fizz Radio episodes as well as FizzCast. We'll be pumping those things out as soon as we get into football season, so be on the lookout for all of that, including a full season preview podcast once we get everybody together. So... That's what you got looking forward to. Again, the season right around the corner. Syracuse summer camp has started, and day one took place earlier this week. And quite frankly, there were a lot of interesting things that Dino Baber said right out of the gate, and I'm going to break down all of that. We're also going to talk to Jonathan Hoppy later on in the show. He writes for us at The Fizz He's going to break down this article that came out with Athlon about some of these anonymous coach quotes about Syracuse. So we'll get to that later on in the show. And then J.D. Rauchy will join us to talk some wide receivers. Again, our Orange Fizz positional previews are up and out on orangefizz.net. We're getting out about three a week. So, so far we've got... The wide receivers, the safeties, and the offensive line. So be sure to check that out and lock into us on Twitter, and you'll get all the latest notifications as to when those new ones come out. And they're going to be coming out pretty frequently. But again, I said three a week until we've got them all covered. All right, let's just start with what's going on in summer camp and some interesting things. I'm just going to read through a Twitter thread by Stephen Bailey of the Syracuse Post Standard. Beat reporter there does a great job covering the team. And I just want to get into some Dino Babers quotes. And we'll start at the top of his thread. And all these coming from the first of the month, August 1st, which was Wednesday. First one says, Babers says this is the best offseason of SNC strength and conditioning this team has had during his time in Syracuse. Physical development will be clear on the field. And, And we've kind of seen even Syracuse's gone viral this summer with Chris Layton squatting I believe it was 670 pounds and it got posted everywhere ESPN picked it up and it just kind of showed the weight room going insane over the fact that Chris Layton's really putting on these gains and again he didn't the sack totals weren't where he wanted them to be and he's even said as much but we could be seeing a much better Chris Layton next year and again this is a guy who's already an NFL caliber talent according to Dino Babers So the strength and conditioning, again, so crucial in a system like the Oranges where you want to play fast, you want to play smart, and you got to get it all together. And the conditioning, I think it's been there in the past, but let's see if they can take it to another gear 
in year three under Dino Babers. Next up in the thread, interesting here, Dino Babers said Antoine Cordy came to him and said he didn't want to play slot receiver, and Babers says we don't make guys play positions they don't want to play. I think that's smart. I, I really never bought into the whole Antoine Cordy is going to be a slot receiver now that he's getting moved to the nickelback position, and he's kind of been squeezed out a little bit of the safety spot. It seems like Andre Sisco is really impressing early on in camp, and I'll get to a safety quote in just a second. But again, probably better suited for the nickel. He's a physical freak inside the weight room and on the field. The problem with him is staying healthy, and if he can't stay healthy, then all of this is a moot point. But if Antoine Courtney can stay healthy and make a name for himself at the nickelback position, this could be a very interesting dynamic that Syracuse has going for them defensively. Again, you're going to probably have some hiccups right out of the gate, adjusting to a bit of a new system. But we'll see what Antoine Courtney can do. And I never bought into the wide receiver notion. And I don't think... Antoine Cordy's heart was in it to play receiver again. It's so tough. You've been a safety your entire college career, and then all of a sudden they're going to flip you to play receiver out of nowhere just because some wonder kid freshman is coming along and kind of, it seems like, took his spot. So, interesting there. You're listening to Fizz Radio, Score 1260, Tyler Anki, talking some SU football with you until 10 o'clock. We're going all football, all show long. The season coming up. Not too far away, Western Michigan, in a couple of weeks. Now, this next one, really, we've heard Dino say similar things to this, but uh, let me get into it. Babers said he expects Eric Dungy and Tommy DeVito to compete this fall. No strong statements one way or another, said Tommy has looked good enough to earn an opportunity in practice. Now, no one's really been there to kind of light a fire under Eric Dungy throughout his time at Syracuse. I guess you could argue Terrell Hunt, but Terrell Hunt came in as the starter, busted his Achilles on, I believe it was the first series of that first game of the 2015 season. So really no one there has, no one has been there to kind of push Eric Dungy. I don't think anyone ever saw Zach Mahoney overtaking that starting role. But now that Tommy DeVito's there, the heat's kind of on, and if he's playing well enough to earn a chance to be the starter in practice, this says a lot about the future of Syracuse football because if Tommy DeVito is this exciting and is making this much of an impact this early on as just a redshirt freshman, then we're talking about an offense that is going to be scary because, again, the the problem has been... Eric Dungy goes down with injuries, and then you're kind of staying afloat with Zach Mahoney, and it quite frankly hasn't gone very well. I believe Mahoney only won one game during his time at Syracuse, even though he certainly got the opportunity and certainly kept Syracuse in some games you probably didn't think they'd be in. Regardless, if Eric Dungy were to go down this year, and Tommy DeVito steps in and plays like Dino Baber says he can play, We might be looking at a real quarterback controversy when Eric Dungy comes back. Again, the old adage is you never lose your job to injury. But if you're 5-6 and going into that last game and Tommy DeVito has brought you to two or three straight wins, kind of tough to say no to him to start that final game against Boston College. 
it'd be really tough to turn down Tommy DeVito. And I think you got to roll with the hot hand at that point and you play him in the bowl game. But who knows? Again, this is, it's all, we're all speaking in hypotheticals at this point, which is kind of that itch you get when you know the season's close. You just want everything to finally be there so you can talk about the real thing. But if Tommy DeVito's as good as Dino Baber says, maybe there will be something there. Next up, Babers has a lot of confidence in his defensive backs. I think that secondary will embarrass the receivers in camp. I wrote a safeties preview earlier in the week. You can check it out, orangefizz.net, as well as a couple of other positional previews that are already up. Safety is going to be an interesting position. Safety is, there's star power, there's potential. It's a boomer bust position, as I put it in the article. You've got Andre Sisco, who's apparently this world-beating freshman who's playing at an elite level already, and he's just been in camp and, and in spring practices, and he's played unbelievable so far, enough that he is the only freshman listed as a starter on the preseason depth chart. And he kind of has overtaken Antoine Cordy for that safety position. And then you've got Evan Foster coming off a full season of starting. He's got the experience. He's the only Syracuse player to force multiple turnovers last year. That's where you start to think, hmm, Maybe there's something there. But again, when you get behind that, there's not a lot. Eric Coley is a backup. There's a couple other guys all on there. Cam Jonas, Devin Clark. There's not a lot of depth. You probably haven't really heard of any of those names, except maybe you're jogging your memory from the recruiting days of when these guys signed. Again, none of those guys have played a snap of college football. And that is what you're working with. So you got to stay healthy in the secondary. So there's potential there. But if one of them goes down, you could spiral out of control really quickly with a lot of inexperience behind guys like Evan Foster. And again, even Andre Sisco has not played a college snap yet. So you're talking about five guys listed on the depth chart at safety and only one of them has stepped between the lines. That doesn't inspire a lot of confidence, but with what we're hearing about Andre Sisco, the physicality is there, and it seems like he's ready to play at the next level. But we have to wait and see again. <laughs> it, 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 it just bothers me at this point. Football is so close, you can smell it. There's the first preseason game of the NFL. It's right around the corner. Last one before we take a quick break and catch up with Jonathan Hoppy. Baber said wide receiver Devin Butler needs to be more consistent to make the jump to the number one guy in the offense. Nothing specific, but said Butler knows the message he's sending. Again, all these statements I'm rattling off are from a tweet thread from Stephen Bailey of the Post Standard. And if you miss any of this, be sure to check out the podcast version of the show. That's on iTunes, Orange Fizz. So we've kind of seen this theme now with the receivers and hearing Eric Dungy talk about it at media day was a, a little a little alarming. He says, I don't know who it's going to be. He just knows there's going to be someone. So again, it's kind of that you're going in with belief without evidence, faith without evidence, which is what Dino Babers always preaches. Are you going to believe the system's good enough that you don't necessarily have to have a guy at the wide receiver position you can kind of rely on just someone to emerge like we've seen the last two years with Amba Etatawo, completely unpredictable. 
Steve Ishmael, a little predictable, but still came out of nowhere. Wasn't even the leading receiver from the year before of returning guys. Are we going to see the guy emerge? And the fact that someone really hasn't separated themselves quite yet is not promising. It's not. You'd figure at at this point now, one of the guys who is returning from last year would have stepped up and emerged as the guy. And apparently it hasn't been Devin Butler yet. Hasn't been Jamal Custis yet. It hasn't been Sean Riley yet. So we'll see. Wide receiver is certainly going to be an interesting position. We're going to talk to J.D. Rauchy a little bit about that later on in the show. But next, we've got Jonathan Hoppy. We're going to break down an Athlon Sports article, anonymous coaches quotes about Syracuse. What did they have to say about the Orange? That's coming up. This is Fizz Radio. All right, we're back. Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Tyler Aki got you here till 10 o'clock this morning. A football-heavy show, so we continue with that right now. And we bring in one of our colleagues here at the Fizz, Jonathan Hoppy. John, thanks so much for joining me. Now, I sent you an article earlier this week, and it's kind of an anonymous, almost survey of ACC coaches. And it asks them for a quote about about the different programs in the conference and Syracuse had some very interesting ones to go with it again this whole article done by Athlon Sport now now I'm just going to read through these and instead of breaking down what everything means for Syracuse and the trajectory of the program let's have a little fun with this on a Saturday morning we're going to guess who said each quote about Syracuse I've got four of them here and I think this is going to be a fun little game we got going. You ready? Yeah, I'm ready. This looks pretty good. Uh, I'm a bit nervous, though. I want to do well, even though I guess we'll never really know. All right. I guess we'll, we'll actually never know the results of these because they're all anonymous. <laughs> but it, it, it's part of the fun. Anyways, let's get into it. The first one is Dino Babers has made it fun to play there. He has given that program a little edge. I can't think of a person in our league who wasn't happy when they beat Clemson. Other than Clemson, it's the re- it's the reward, the end result we all crave. When you get that and see that and feel that, it's hard to describe the emotions. Now, I think we can rule out Dabo Sweeney as saying that, unless he's really trying to dupe us, which would be some next-level guessing by you and I. But I'm going to go out on a limb and say that was Dave Doran because I don't think anyone really benefited more kind of from the Syracuse upset over over Clemson because it it kind of opened that window of opportunity for NC State where they thought mm, that maybe we can actually win the Atlantic this year. So my guess is Dave Dorn. All right, I'm going to go with Pat Narduzzi because Narduzzi beat Clemson back in 2016. So just from that quote, it seems like, you know, the fulfillment of beating Clemson is pretty recent. So that's going to make me lead towards Pittsburgh, a team that beat Clemson two seasons ago, the year before Syracuse did it. So I know everyone's already talking about which ACC school is going to beat Clemson this year. Pittsburgh did it before Syracuse. That's my guess here. Really, look at this quote. Reward, the end result we all crave when you get it, blah, blah, blah. I'm going Pat Narduzzi. I kind of like that. You've almost swayed me. But I kind of like Narduzzi for a later one in this, all right? So you got Narduzzi for that one. I've got uh, Dave Doran for that one. Next up, this is the perfect example of what the right system with the right players can do. They play fast, they spread you out, and they're aggressive on offense. If you can do it, if it's taught correctly, you can change everything. You go from a stale program with no juice 
to a program that young kids see as hip or an up-and-comer. Believe it or not, a lot of young people would rather blaze their own trail. I'm going Dabo on that one because that kind of has the feeling of, yes, Syracuse beat us. Right system, right players. They're fast. Syracuse certainly played fast against Clemson. And they taught it correctly in the fact that you can go fast, but you can also slow it down. Because remember, Syracuse held the ball for about 12 minutes in that fourth quarter against the Tigers. And it also has, I feel like, a little bit of, of Dabo personality in there. Stale program with no juice just kind of screams Dabo to me. And the last part is, believe it or not, a lot of young players would rather blaze their own trail. This quote may have come on the heels of the Hunter Johnson transfer where he decided to leave Clemson and go to Northwestern. So I'm going Dabo. This one's tough. Uh, you know, I, I think for me it's down to a couple of different coaches. I think Larry Fedora. That, that's sort of my guess here. And I know that Fedora is, is under the microscope these days. But I just think he's the kind of coach that you talk about, you know, this lingo and, and trying to get your program to that position where you're one of the best in the country. And North Carolina has sort of done that. I guess that's where I'm coming from is sort of reading into these quotes and, and who could actually speak from experience. You know, North Carolina is sort of that school in the ACC when you talk about blazing your own trail because other than the top four in the ACC, UNC is one of those schools that gets the top recruits in the league. So that's why for me, I'd say Larry Fedora here kind of seems like that guy who would maybe use some of this terminology and, and that sort of thing. So I'm going to lean with Fedora. Definitely could go a lot of different ways. Maybe a guy like Bronco Mendenhall. Definitely yeah, I thought about Bronco there too. Yeah, sort, sort of the, you know, the reason I wouldn't say Dabo is because it just doesn't really seem like, it seems like whoever said this is, is coming from a place where, you know, the players want to blaze their own path, blah, blah, blah. Dabo's got Clemson at such a high you know, position right now, but then again, I could be totally reading into that the wrong way, so I think both of our thoughts there are pretty fair. Yeah. Um, the the way I saw it, too, with the blaze their own trail is Clemson probably loses out on some guys to lesser schools, and, and Dabo's probably thinking, like, what the hell? Like, why, why is this guy going to school XYZ instead of coming to, to Clemson and play for a national title contender? So, that, that was kind of my school of thought behind that one. You're listening to Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Tyler Anke, you got Jonathan Hoppy with me talking some Syracuse football, some glowing reviews of the program, and we're breaking down who we think in the ACC said these. Again, these are all anonymous quotes. I just want to kind of actually backtrack real quick on your Larry Fedora point. The reason why I'm not saying Fedora is because I feel like when you're asking these different coaches, you're probably asking someone who has played against Syracuse in recent years and probably last season, if I had to be specific. And Larry Fedora has never gone up against Syracuse. In fact, UNC has never played Syracuse in the ACC in football. So that's why I'm kind of ruling out Larry Fedora. But if we're going based off of personality, Larry Fedora, not a terrible guess. Next up, I don't think Eric Dungy is the same quarterback if he's not in this offense. The system is a perfect fit for him. Get the ball, get it out quickly, and make good decisions. Dino's from that Baylor coaching tree, and we've all seen what those quarterbacks can do in that system. Dungy is a senior now, and he has seen just about everything. He's going to have a special season. 
My pick there is the guy you picked in number one, Pat Narduzzi, and here's why. Get the ball, get it out quickly, and make good decisions, and just the whole system thing. Dungy did not throw more passes against any ACC team last year than Pitt. He threw almost 50 at 49. So I'm going to go with Narduzzi said that one because get the ball, get it out quickly. There were a lot of quick hitters last time against Pitt. Yeah, I was thinking Dabo Sweeney for this one because he was so complimentary of Dungy at ACC kickoff. But at the same time, this quote is more complimentary of the system as opposed to Eric Dungy. So that's why I'm going to shy away from that. Now, if I had to pick somebody, I think it's probably Steve Adazio of Boston College. I, I think either of those schools is a good bet. I think this is a team that is very familiar with Syracuse and, and with Dino Babers over the past two seasons. So for me, that's Boston College. I mean, this is a team that you know plays Syracuse towards the tail end of the season, quote-unquote rivals, if you will, and, and that's why that kind of makes sense. But that same logic could be said about Narduzzi. So I think whoever said this, though, is, is really complimentary of what Babers has done at Syracuse as opposed to, you know, still to Dungy, but not as much. More of the Babers tree from Baylor and everything. And I don't know, for some reason, I, I read this quote in a very Steve Adazio, high-energy high kind of manner. Yeah, I, I thought about Dabo too, but the reason why I'm not going Dabo is because he never er- mentioned Eric Dungy by name. He just kind of said, that quarterback from Syracuse. And that's why I, I also shied away from Dabo, because it didn't feel like he knew what Dungy's name was. And <laughs> Probably didn't. Along with that, um, I, I'm also going with Narduzzi because D- Dungy's played Pitt a couple times. He's only played BC one time, so that's why I'm going with that. Um, but again, BC, uh, and, and another reason for, for Pitt too is because Narduzzi's seen the system. He he saw Dino Babers put up 61 points with a backup quarterback. So, very complimentary of the system, and he saw what Zach Mahoney could do with it. So, therefore, you kind of get get a glimpse into what Eric Dungy can be and why the system is actually bigger than the player itself. Last one. Covering on defense has been a real problem for them. They're experienced back there, but struggle. They play that Tampa 2 zone-based coverage, and I'm not sure that's going to work in this league. That system is based on the ability of linebackers to get drops and support coverage. They're not that good at linebacker either. I wouldn't be surprised if you see them play a little bit more man coverage this fall, or at least mix more into it. This one seems pretty easy to me. I'm going Bobby Petrino, just a, a classic negative type of guy, always out there to kind of bash everybody else. And, and the fact that his teams have absolutely torched Syracuse these last couple of years. So I think this is a pretty easy one, Bobby Petrino. Yeah, I mean, you could talk me into that one really easy. That was the one I was thinking of. But I guess maybe to play devil's advocate and to try to get some more names in here. How about Dave Clawson at Wake mm. Forest? You know, that's a guy who... Another one I thought of, yep. You know, who, who who Syracuse really struggled to play defense against. We all know the second half of that Wake Forest game in the Carrier Dome. Woo! That'll give you nightmares at night <laughs> if you're a Syracuse fan. And uh, I think Clawson definitely remembers that. And the ability for, for the quarterback, Walford was his name, to uh, get able to get down the field and get past those linebackers. So, you know what? Either of those two guys, the team that's really served it against Syracuse and 
Now, the Orange, did did they beat Wake Forest or did they lose? They lost in that Swamp game. Okay, They lost, I, I was, yep. I want to think they won that game. They were the better so. team, but they didn't win right. the game. I've made that mistake before, but, you know, Dave Clawson's a guy who's 2-0 against Syracuse and absolutely steamrolled him in the second half last year. Yeah, that, that's another fair game. I, I was right there. I was between Petrino and Clawson, but to me, the, the evidence was incriminating for, for Bobby Petrino. That, that one was probably the easiest <laughs> one for me. All right, Jonathan, thanks so much. You wrote a great piece this week on orangefizz.net. Our positional previews are off and running. You covered the offensive line. I did the safeties on Wednesday. J.D. Rauchy did the receivers on Monday to kick the whole thing off. So great work as always. Be sure to check that out. And the rest of our positional previews. And speaking of positional previews, we'll actually talk to J.D. Rauchy coming up next about everything wide receiver. That's coming up on the other side. You're listening to Fizz Radio. All right, we're back. Fizz Radio on the score 1260. Sticking with the football theme as we have all day long. I'm Tyler Rocky, and I'm joined now by J.D. Rauchy, a writer for us here at orangefizz.net. J.D., thanks for joining us, and we're underway with our positional previews, as I've alluded to throughout the show. I did safeties Wednesday. Jonathan Hoppy, who we just talked to, did offensive line on Friday. And J.D., you're the one that kicked it all off for us on Monday with wide receivers. And that's going to be an interesting position this year for the Orange. Yeah, I think there are a lot of question marks for the Syracuse wide receivers this year. We've seen it over the past two years. Guys kind of come out of nowhere. I'm better than Tawo in, uh, in Dino Baber's first year at the helm of the Syracuse football program. Comes in, shatters all kinds of seasonal records, and has one of the best seasons in Syracuse football history for a wide receiver. Then last year, we saw Steve Ishmael step up and be one of the best receivers, again, in Syracuse football history. It's going to be interesting to see kind of who steps up in the next cup in, in this season, but also at the early part of the year, because I think there are some pieces that have a little bit more experience, but then I also think there are some pieces that have a lot more potential than those experienced pieces. So we could see a bit, a bit more of a team game this year with the wide receivers than we have in the past, because like I said, Amba a couple of years ago, Steve last year, they're kind of the two stars. There was nobody else that really helped him out. I think it's going to be a little bit more of a team game this time around with that Dino Babers offense because we know the offensive set puts up those, is what really puts up the numbers. It's not necessarily lying directly on the talent of these guys. So I think there's a lot more depth this year than there has been in the last couple of years. Yeah, certainly more depth, and we'll get to the depth chart in just a second. But I just want to point out two Dino quotes from summer camp that I talked about earlier in the show, and I want to get kind of your thoughts on them. So the first one is, and this is from Stephen Bailey of the Post Standard, Baber said wide receiver Devin Butler needs to be more consistent to make the jump to the number one guy in the offense. Nothing specific, but said Butler knows the message he's sending. And he also said Babers has a lot of confidence in his defensive backs. I think that secondary will embarrass the receivers in camp. Again, summer camp getting underway this past week in Syracuse. Pretty telling stuff there that he's kind of trying to light a fire under Devin Butler's butt and then... He's also trying to basically say, like, hey, I'm actually more confident in my defense guarding the offensive guys that I've recruited now and have got in the system running 4 3 4 4 40s. Which is just kind of, it's just so weird to hear that because over the last couple of years in the Dino Babers era, we've kind of been under this impression that it's all offense with Dino. He wants the offense to go. 
defense is secondary, running to Tampa to things of that kind of that kind, not a lot of pressure, not a lot of aggressiveness, don't really care all that much about the defense, and the offense has been the focus, and especially those safeties and the cornerbacks, the safeties that you previewed, and the cornerbacks coming up in a couple of weeks that we'll preview, that I will preview in uh, the next couple of days, but it's kind of weird that he's saying that because over the last two years, that has been the biggest weak spot. The front seven has actually been really, really good for this Syracuse defense. You think of Zaire Franklin, Paris Bennett, Chris Slayton, uh, guys of that sort have really just been great at the front line of that defense, and then it's been the backside of the defense that has really struggled. But I also think that him saying that the defensive backs are going to torch the uh, going to torch the wide receivers, it's maybe not that far off in terms of how much experience these two groups have. Because you look at a guy like Antoine Cordy, sure he gets sent into the nickelback, into the nickel uh, position, the slot cornerback position, but he's still experienced. I know he's missed a lot of time. And then one guy I'm really looking for on the defensive side of the ball this year to make a big impact is Scoop Bradshaw. We saw a lot of great stuff from him last year. I think he's going to step up and be not really a lockdown, shutdown corner, but a good coverage corner, a good zone corner. He's not a big guy, so he's not going to shut down big, tall guys in the ACC. But I think that he could have a really good season. So the experience of the defensive backs plus the inning experience, which we'll get to in a little bit, of the wide receivers is so stark that I'm really not all that surprised at what Dino Babers said. Now moving on to the Devin Butler thing. Butler is your most consistent returning performer as a wide receiver. So I think that the fact that Dino is not impressed either means that Devin Butler is slacking in camp or that he is not putting up or he's not putting up the kind of numbers or the kind of uh, kind of telling signs that Dino wants him to. Or he knows that Devin Butler is going to be good and he's just, light, like you said, lighting a fire under his butt and really trying to get him going and have him be the star of the group moving forward. Yeah, and I, th- I think the thing about Butler, too, is that maybe D- Dino's kind of become accustomed to seeing a guy break out in the first two, three weeks, and maybe he just doesn't see a Steve Ishmael or Amba Etatawo in Butler quite yet. So that'll be interesting to see. You're listening to Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. Tyler Aki got J.D. Rauchi with me for this segment talking some wide receivers for the upcoming season for Syracuse. Now, let, let's dive a little deeper into your piece. Uh, you, you lay out the depth chart for us. Again, a lot of very new names on that depth chart. A lot of guys who weren't in this position last time this year. So, just a, I'll lay out a couple of the, the new names for us. Nikeem Johnson, he saw some spot time last year. Sherrod Johnson, Russell Thompson Bishop, Cameron Jordan, K.K. Hahn. Not a lot of names that Syracuse fans are familiar with. And really, when you go top to bottom, only two guys out of this eight-man depth chart that you've assembled here for us really have seen the field over the last season. It's Devin Butler, who we've talked about, and Sean Riley. But the interesting name that may be the best out of everyone on the list is a guy like Jamal Custis. I've been high on Custis. It seems like you're on you're high on Custis, too. You've got him in your star of the group. So with Jamal Custis, again, a kind of a guy, he's got this perfect blend of size, the perfect blend of speed to go along with it. He just hasn't put it together yet. Yeah, I think he's got, like you said, he's got all the tools. He's kind of the Frankenstein of this of this Syracuse wide receiving core. When I say Frankenstein, I mean he's bits and pieces of all the best guys from the last couple of years. He's got the speed that Amba Adetawo does down the middle of the field. He's got the speed that Irv Phillips had 
as a as a pass catcher over the last couple of seasons for for uh, for the uh, Orange. And then you look at the size that he's got. He reminds me a lot of Steve Ishmael. He's got a ton of. He's six foot five, two hundred plus pounds. He's got really bulky size. He can go down the middle of the field. He can go down the sides of the field, and he can go up and catch passes over bigger defensive backs, which are all, quite often the guys in the ACC are a little bit bigger. You think of guys uh, over the last couple of seasons that have really been able to match up with guys like Irv Phillips and like Amba Etatawo and kind of shut them down when they need to because they're just bigger. So I think that Jamal Custis brings a lot to the table. So he's kind of an amalgamation of uh, some of the best wide receivers over the past couple of years. But yeah, he's got to put it together. And the biggest thing for him is staying healthy. Yeah, it's just, Only he's got the health of Eric Dungy. So that certainly doesn't help at all when he's not on the field. Again, he took a redshirt year two to kind of figure everything out. But he could be the one that we see breakthrough. And, and that's where my money is. Is that where your money is too? Yeah, I'm really excited to see what he does this year. He, like I said, like you said, he's my star of the group. I really think he has something special coming up. Uh, you, you mentioned it in an article a couple of years ago. Uh, I think it was actually before last year. You were kind of predicting that he was going to have a breakout year last year and that he could have been the Steve Ishmael of last year. But, of course, he goes down with the injury in the first game of the season against Central Connecticut misses a bunch of time. But you said 4-3-7, 40-yard dash. That is blazing. That is absolutely incredible. And I put it in my article. For comparison, out of college, out of Western Michigan, or excuse me, out of Central Michigan, Antonio Brown, a 4.47 40-yard dash. So this kid is bigger than Antonio Brown, stronger than Antonio Brown was in college, faster than Antonio Brown was in college. So I think there's a lot of potential to lie in Jamal Custis. He's just got to bring it out of himself. I think he's going to be that deep threat that the Dino Babers offense really needs to function at a high level. Now, real quick... Before I let you go, you got down here the strength as versatility of the group. The weakness is experience. I think no doubt you hit the weakness right on the head. Strength of versatility. I'm going to kind of alter your word here. I'm going to go with depth. Mm-hmm. I think depth, there even though... Depth. I completely agree. I, I think it's it's a little different. Versatility is more you've got a, a lot of different... Or guys who can do a lot of things. I think you just got a lot of guys who can do a lot of things... And we're going to see, I think, a lot of straight-line runners here. Again, we're starting to see some of Dino Baber's guys finally step into the spotlight, get in between the lines. They're no longer red shirts. They're no longer the babies anymore. These are the guys that Dino recruited to go out there and run 4-3, 4-4, 40s out on the field. So I think we're going to see a lot of speed and a lot of depth. It's just a matter of fact of who is going to be the guy. And I think that's kind of the pestering question that every Syracuse fan is battling with right now. Yeah, I agree. But going back to my versatility point, the reason I said versatility is because I think this this depth chart kind of breaks down into little pods. You're not going to see a lot of K.K. Hahn. You're not going to see a lot of Russell Thompson Bishop. So I didn't even really consider them when I broke them down into Yeah, I think we'd see more Ed Hendricks before we saw some of those other guys. I'm excited for Ed Hendricks, uh, definitely. I I think Taj Harris as well. Yep, another good name. A long, rangy, athletic kind of guy. And they will play, too, with this new redshirt rule of four games. They can play four games, and then they can redshirt, and they still be fine and have their eligibility for the next couple of seasons. And we haven't really seen a lot. That's why we see a lot of red shirts in this receiving core for Dino Babers is because he has redshirted guys in the past and saved them. But the pods that I kind of broke them down into, burners, Sean Riley, Nikeem Johnson, fast guys, quick over the middle. They are going to be possession receivers that have got to be fast, kind of in the Herb Phillips mold. 
Then you got the down the field types, the long, athletic, rangy, tall guys, and Jamal Jamal Costas and Devin Butler, both over six foot three, both can go up and catch passes. And then Sherrod Johnson and Russell uh, Russell Thompson Bishop, I think, are going to be good pieces off the bench to kind of provide some extra pass catching, possession catching, kind of in the mold of last season. Even Nikeem Johnson, what he was last year, and what Sherrod Johnson was last year. So I think there's a lot of different things that this uh, Syracuse wide receiving core can do and can really capitalize. So I think it's a little bit more versatile, like I said. And then you got Devin Butler. The kid can throw touchdown passes. Like, <laughs> what, other, what other wide receiving core has that ability from a high school quarterback? And the same thing with Tosh Harris, the guy that we talked about, incoming freshman. He was a quarterback in high school. That's what I'm excited about is kind of the quick strike capability of this offense like we always have. And then I feel like, like you said, it is a little bit more deep than in years past. I don't think there's a budding emerging star, although I think Jamal Custis could be that. I think that there's a lot of pieces that you can insert in and out of the game, put them in different sets, three wide to one side, one wide to the left, two on each side, uh, trips, uh, trips bunch and things of that variety that you can really throw out there and confuse defenses more than you can in the past because they can't focus in on just the one guy. They have to focus in on everybody. So their uh, attention is a little bit more divided this season with this wide receiving core. I'm excited to see what they can do. Yeah, maybe Dino Babers is going to have to take something out of Doug Peterson's playbook, throwing the Philly special with all these receivers that can make passes. All right, J.D., I got to run. Good talking to you. We'll catch up always, soon. Always. Football preview right around the corner. I am excited for it. So that's what we got going for us coming up next. We've got Fizz feedback. We'll get to all your questions and answers from the polls this week. You're listening to Fizz Radio. Final stretch here on Fizz Radio. Score 1260. Tyler Aki only got a couple more minutes with you here. So let's get right to it. Fizz feedback time. Again, football-heavy show. You miss anything in the show, subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. You'll get anything you missed from today's episode of Fizz Radio. Okay, so I threw out a couple questions on Twitter. I think I'll only have time to get to one today in this episode of Fizz Feedback. Of our three positional previews that we've released on orangefizz.net, Which spot will have the biggest year? Is it wide receiver, safety, or offensive line? You can be the judge yourself. Just go to our website, orangefizz.net, and you can check out all of those previews. In the lead, and it's not even close, is offensive line at 65%. That's followed up by wide receiver, 40% drop-off, all the way down to 25%, and then safety at just 10%. These, this is really interesting to me because, again, there's not the names, there's not the glitz and glamour at receiver, but that's the skill position that you see on this list, so I figured receiver would get a little more love, but I gotta say, I'm probably, I'm with Fizz Nation on this one. Offensive line, definitely the one that will have the biggest year. Again, you've got so many returning guys, you're adding in Coda Martin at the tackle position. This... The goal of this offensive line has to be to keep Eric Dungy upright, keep him healthy for all 12 and hopefully a 13th game this season. And I think that's going to be the real determinant of the success. Now, can they piece it all together for this final year? You're going to face a Clemson team that has four NFL-bound defensive linemen. You're going to face a lot of very talented teams defensively Inarguably the toughest conference in all of college football. Wide receiver becomes interesting to me because you don't know. There's the whole unknown factor. 
So the surprise, if you're into that stuff, I know a lot of people don't like surprises with their football teams, but wide receiver definitely, I I would say, has the highest ceiling of these three positions, but rightfully so. I think it is second in line. And then safety, another boom or bust type position, kind of like receiver, but not to the same extent. I think the, the floor is a little bit safer on the receiver position than the safety one because, as I mentioned earlier, one safety goes down for this team, and you've got a bunch of guys who have never stepped between the lines. Even a starter who has never stepped between the lines. It's tough to imagine safety being the best, even though it's a little more quantifiable than offensive line. Wide receiver, obviously, the most quantifiable, but we'll see. Season right around the corner. Can't wait to get things started. I'm Tyler Aki. We'll be back next week. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great rest of your Saturday, Cuse Nation.